We've got Forza, Ignite, and the Metaverse. Where's that Metaverse? Happy Friday, friends. Hopefully your week was as wonderful as mine. And we are wrapping it up here with the back of the book, the Friday podcast, the things we do on Friday. And it has been one heck of a week, my friends. And so let's just dive in because there was Ignite, there was Forza, there were Intel chips. There was there was a lot of stuff. So we're going to kick it off here with Nat Friedman. And if you don't recognize that name, he is the CEO of GitHub. And he is leaving, I believe he was the CEO or founder of Xamarin. And they got acquired by Microsoft. And then he got pushed over to GitHub and ran that to try to keep him happy. And he has announced that he is leaving that position. Now, there's a lot of speculation as to why. I strongly suspect that it's very much related to when he got, uh, when his company got acquired. There's contracts and lockups and all that stuff. And so they try to keep him happy as long as possible. And when you have that itch to be a startup founder, running inside of a massive corporation like Microsoft doesn't always kind of fit your personality. And so it wouldn't surprise me if his contractual obligation had expired and now he's ready to move on and do different things. So uh, there's some change in leadership. Obviously, that's some knowledge leaving Microsoft, but I think that GitHub will survive uh, without Nat. But um, I've actually met him a couple times and so wish him the best as he leaves the Microsoft org. Although I suspect Ah, he is not leaving the Microsoft community as a whole. So we will go from there. Anyways, uh, Microsoft Ignite, Ignite digital event happened this week. Usually it's an in-person event. It's one of my favorite conferences of the year, but it was all digital this year. Just going to pull out a couple of the highlights. The first one is Loop. Now, Microsoft has had these things for a long time called Fluid Components. And I think it's like 18 months old, maybe even older than that. And there is sort of like widgetized component portions of like charts and graphs and you can put them in different things and they sync in real time and they've been this huge promise for a really long time and they've been really really slow to materialize and so microsoft announced at ignite a product called loop that will be coming in the coming months unfortunately it's not available yet that is sort of like a home bastion or station for all of these loops or as we call them fluid components in the previous world now if you have no idea what i'm talking about and that's perfectly okay if you're potentially familiar with the app Notion, which I use actually quite a bit now for note taking and just keeping organized at work. Um, it feels and looks honestly very similar to that. And so it would not be surprised me if this was some of Microsoft's inspiration and looked at no what Notion was doing, which is effectively a blank canvas. And on Notion, you put in blocks and these blocks could be charts and graphs and they link across different databases. But in the Microsoft world, they're called loops, which used to be called fluid components. And it's very, very similar. Now, there's a lot of questions about here because this is supposed to be a collaborative hub, if you will, for all your documents and content. Now, I'm very interested in this because I'm a huge Notion user and obviously I'm a very big and heavy Teams user and OneDrive user. So on paper, Loops looks honestly pretty interesting, but we got to wait and see how this plays out and we'll see how it actually feels and forms and functions in reality. Uh, Microsoft made a pretty big deal about it. And so this will be coming. We don't have all the details yet, but just be on the lookout for that. And as soon as I can get my dirty little paws on Loop, uh, I'm going to go for a loopy spin of how the app works to see if it can replace Notion. I, I took on Notion primarily because OneNote became too bulky and bloated and just heavy weight for what I needed. And Notion just made it real simple and easy. And so if Loop can do something similar, then they might win my, I don't know, clicks every day or however else that begins to roll out. 
Uh, other big things are the metaverse, but the metaverse is coming to Teams first. Microsoft has said it'll be part of their uh, preview in 2022. You'll be able to dive into the ecosystem. Like if you've ever said, hey, I, I love Teams so much, I want to live inside that bubble. Um, the metaverse is going to be for you. So Microsoft has a product called Mesh, and this isn't entirely new. Microsoft has actually had VR holographic SharePoint for a while as well. And so it's, it's exactly what it sounds like. It allows you to go into the metaverse and experience things. Actually, I believe it's Accenture, one, one of Microsoft's key partners. And actually, they own them or did own them or still own part of them at some point. Created a thing called the Nth Floor, which they use for onboarding inside the metaverse for new employees to try to feel out, like, how is this going to play out in the real world? Um, the one thing to keep in mind is that none of the avatars had any legs. So, uh, yeah, I guess, you know, we've, we've got the technology, but not the capability to put uh, two additional appendages to the bottom of the torso uh, inside Microsoft's metaverse. But anyways, metaverse is things we're going to be hearing a lot about. And, and I am very on the fence of like, it feels very 3D TV like, meaning it's going to get a ton of hype and everything else. And then it's just going to kind of be like, oh, okay, okay. Um, I, I don't know. I could be completely wrong. We've all seen, I think, the movie WALL-E, which is a lot of what I think the metaverse is heading towards. We'll just be sitting in chairs, drinking our sodas and looking through uh, screens and, and pretending we're playing, but we're not actually playing while we zoom through space while Earth gets cleaned up by robots. So anyways, uh, Edge browser for Linux is now generally available. If you use the Linux and you've been wanting to use the Edge, your dreams are now coming true. So that's just a little whatever. Uh, Microsoft also announced they are acquiring Two Hat, not One Hat, not Red Hat, not Blue Hat, not Green Hat, but Two Hat, which is a content moderation specialist company. This is believed to be going to be part of Xbox and sort of the content moderation moderation that happens there. But Microsoft also needs a lot of content moderation on other things too, like Yammer and Teams, and across the entire ecosystem of its products, LinkedIn as well. And so Microsoft is snatching up Two Hat to help make that more reality or just more efficient, or whatever you want to call that. Uh, Microsoft also released a new build of Windows 11 that adds mute and unmute to the taskbar. Now, there's a little bit of confusion around some of this. It looks like it was supposed to be like a native integration, but what it looks like now is that apps actually have to tie into that functionality, and it's not across the entire whole, whole like, ecosystem and UI uh, of Windows 11, so just keep that in mind if you're, if you're doing that. Um, also, speaking of Windows 11, uh, dev channel users in the U.S. can now test Android applications. So it used to be in the, the earliest channel, or the, the, the dev channel. Now it is in, or it used to be in the, yeah, it's in the dev channel. Now it's in the beta channel. So uh, more people can test it. I, I always get these cues. I wish they would have called them an alpha and beta. That would have made my life a little bit easier. But anyways, uh, more people can now test out the Android apps with Windows 11. So if that's what's been holding you back. I can't imagine there's too many people out there, but hey, it is at least progressing through the rings, and I'm wondering if that means it's going to make its way to the general population in the near-ish future. We'll find out. We'll find out. So, uh, other things, and this is more of a personal thing, but it's still related to Windows 11. Uh, one of the products I've been working on at my new role, Start 11, we released version 1.0, and this allows you, I don't want to make this sound like an ad, but I'm really like proud of what we were able to create in such a small amount of time. This allows you to put uh, the Windows 10 menu on Windows 11, or if you are on Windows, or if you're on Windows 11, you can use the Windows 10 or 7 menu. If you are on Windows 10, you can also use the Windows 11 menu. So, if you have a box, like the one I'm looking at right here, that is not capable capable of upgrading to Windows 11 because it is a 7700K. Uh, I can now put make it effectively look like Windows 11 to get that same UI experience across both OSs with this single app. It does cost five bones, or 599 I should say, but uh, it's a pretty cool app and allows extensive customization of, of the start menu. One of my, like, 
it's it's really like weird to be like pitching your own product on your own podcast, but whatever. Like one of the things that makes life so much easier for me is that with our menu, you can actually pin folders and files and drives. So you can pin your OneDrive folders, you can pin your shared drives, you can actually pin individual files, and it makes navigating and editing this podcast easier because it's on a shared drive, which I can then pin to my start menu, and then I can just drag and drop. It makes life a little bit easier. Anyways, that's uh, now out and available. Uh, gaming news of the week, because my friends, there's some big drops. Actually, there was one major massive drop this week. Uh, that is Forza Horizon 5 is now available, and let me tell you, my friends, uh, it looks like it's killing it. I haven't played it too much yet because I've been traveling a little bit this week. But the Metacritic, the Open Critic reviews are all above 90. It looks like Microsoft has a home run on its hands here yet again. Which really, if you like put it all together, if you put the memes together, Xbox has no games. But if you go back to July, they got Flight Sim, which was very highly rated. They also got Psychonauts 2, which was also very highly rated. And now we've got Forza Horizon 5, which was also very highly rated. We'll wait and see what Halo Infinite is. But that is one heck of a second half of the year for Team Xbox to be dropping highly acclaimed games all inside of Game Pass, mind you. So they're, if you're paying that $15 a month, you're getting a lot of value at least uh, this year out of it. Also, Age 4, cannot forget that one, also dropped and has been pretty well received as well. And so uh, Forza Horizon 5 obviously took the crown this week. There's been, it's been just really well received. It looks like it's a lot of fun. My early feedback is, yeah, it has got a lot of fun. Uh, it definitely, for me, falls in one of those more casual style play games that you can just dip in and out of. It's not like a Call of Duty where you got to grind, uh, you know, to make sure your competitive advantage is always there because you've, you've mastered every line of sight. Uh, Forza Horizon 5 is definitely one you can pick up and just play and then put it down and go whatever, feed your kids, give them a bath, read them a book, go to bed, whatever, and come back and play. Uh, without too much issue. Also, we got a quick look at Elden Ring this week, and it looks pretty darn good. I, th I think it definitely falls in the category. If you like Dark Souls, this game looks like it's going to be pretty right up your alley. So, uh, finally wrapping out the gaming news before we dive into the questions. Uh, Nintendo is cutting Switch forecast due to component shortage. Getting a hold of Switches has been pretty difficult, and then their new their new Pro or whatever OLED model uh, is very clearly driving demand, and Nintendo's saying, sorry, like just like everybody else in the industry, we are having a difficult time producing these products. So, let's dive over to the questions of the week, which are always my favorite. Um, I'm in like a really good mood this morning. It's Friday, it's just just been a good week. I know I get to play Forza Horizon 5. The only downside, guys, the only downside to Forza Horizon 5 launching this weekend is that in the U.S., we roll back the clocks, which means there's technically one less hour to be playing games this weekend. So I, that's if you're looking for a black eye on the launch of Forza Horizon 5, that is it, is that they didn't time it up with the chime change and all that. So, uh, Migi says, so we're living in a pretty good end of year for Xbox and M Xbox Game Pass is. My question is, how is 2022 looking for Microsoft? Do you have any information, uh, any new information? On Sony's part, we have God of War, we have Horizon, uh, uh, Nintendo has Kirby and Zelda. Maybe Microsoft has a big announcement. We know Starfield is out there, right? That's coming next year. Um, I know there's other titles out there, but Starfield is the one that I am absolutely looking forward to the most. I think it's just, it's a big title. It's a big title, and that's by far should be, at least in my opinion, that is the crowning, like the, the next big thing uh, I'm looking forward to coming from Camp Microsoft or Team Microsoft or whatever, Team Bethesda, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Starfield, to me, looks fantastic, and I don't, I don't think we're getting avowed next year. I don't think that's next year, but that's another one of those games that I'm absolutely looking forward to as well. Uh, JNBCK says... 
what would be the difference between Windows 365 and running Azure Virtual Desktop? This is a fantastic question. Could you run Windows 365 only thin client hardware, i.e. no full feature, uh, full feature operating system? So I believe so to the, there's a primary difference. <laughs> a lot of it comes down to billing and some flexibility. For the vast majority of people, I think Windows 365 is going to be the better option than Azure Virtual, vir, virtual, virtual Desktop. Windows 365 is just a more complete package, and it's also easier to manage uh, from my understanding about those two products. Uh, could you run Windows 365 only thin client hardware? In theory, yes, you could, because all you need is technically a browser. Now, keep in mind that no matter how good the internet becomes, no matter how fast these services become, you're still running your desktop off in a cloud on somebody else's server. So there's gonna be that interaction aspect. And what I'm trying to get at is like, don't spin up Windows 365 to try to like play games or something like that. It's fantastic if you need uh, an easy solution for getting more higher end hardware in the cloud when you have really low end hardware at your disposal. Meaning in theory, you could, you could use a Chromebook and access Windows 365 in that regard to get access to the full Windows ecosystem. Not to mention if you're an IT pro to manage that type of an environment much easier saying look we don't care byod bring your own device log into windows 365 you'll get the full experience that you're used to in a completely managed and secure environment um, but keep in mind those bills can rack up pretty quickly confused geek says sarah bond will replace phil when he retires question mark um i ooh, i have no idea I, I have no idea well there was a I, I, I don't know if this is coming from the Sega announcement. Earlier this week, there was the Sega announcement between Microsoft and, uh, well, Sega, obviously, but it's more for the things like Azure Play Flab, Play Flab, Flab, Play Fab. I think of it more as the Azure back-end services, cloud modeling, um, not so much explicitly games, although Sega did talk about super games, which we all believe to be cloud-first gaming that then, you know, spans out to the endpoints. But I don't I don't know if that means Sarabond is going to replace, um, <laughs> if Sarabond is going to <laughs> replace Phil Spencer. I, I think Phil has done a wonderful job. He's definitely laid the cards out and, and crafted a strategy that, well, we wait to see the actual financial results of it. He's definitely won the hearts and minds of a lot of people with coming out with the, the most powerful hardware, the most uh, value-packed hardware with the Series S, and then also Game Pass being a tremendous value as well. Uh, Mr. PKI says, uh, I am getting addicted to start 11 on my Windows 10 machine. Out of curiosity, does it also work on machine? <laughs> Does it also work on machines that are in S mode as well? So S mode being the totally locked down version, I can candidly tell you, I don't think we QA'd it uh, on, Windows, on Windows S mode because our data says that the usage of our products in those environments is probably near zero. Um, I actually do, in theory, it should, let me put it this way, we should be able to make it work, but it's not a UWP, so it's definitely more than likely going to get blocked uh, because of the install process. But it's not, well, I I know how we do it. I don't want to go too deep into those weeds. Um, in theory, we might be able to make it work on S mode, but I don't think it's a priority. Uh, but happy to hear that you are enjoying Start 11. Uh, Jay Clary, Clary, TX3 says, Brad, I was excited when Flight Simulator was released on Xbox. I've never used it before, and Flight Simulator can get... It can have a steep learning curve. I could not get the 
oh, the bush trips to work. So I spent hours trying to figure it out as being a novice. I was sure I was missing something. Then I learned it's a known problem that it doesn't record the flights. Oh, I did not actually know that. It basically makes the feature useless. Can you comment into why Microsoft released software is such an egregious bug? Do they not debug it? Again, as a novice, I found it very frustrating. Absolutely, it should be frustrating. I can guarantee you they do test it. Um, they should... I'm not familiar with this specific bug on the bush trips, mostly because I am a big fan of the landing challenges. That is, like, when I play Flight Sim, I don't... There's, in my opinion, there's two types of people who play Flight Sim. There's people like me who just pick it up and, like, I want to do the landing and takeoff challenges and just go up and fly out and fly over my house. And then there's the other side who are putting on a, a blue dress shirt and then putting on a coat and a hat, and they're sitting down to take this as if they are a real pilot, which is either bucket totally fine that's why it's called a flight sim and so i have not experienced the lack of ability to record bush trips uh but the feature should work now why would they ship it with this bug and guarantee it just got through and that they missed it during their testing um because i don't think they would intentionally try to do that but i agree it is very frustrating uh, Matt Dinus says, this week was not a good one again for the Windows team. Is it just me or does it seem all the energy going to Windows is just, again, lip service? Yeah, there's some weird things going on in the Windows world. And so I, I can't, I, there's a narrative and a story out there that somebody should write. And I, I have some of the details, but I'm pretty convinced that Windows 11 came together in like a nine month window. Typically, we would have multiple years, right? It, going prior to Windows 10 is like a three years, sometimes even four year cycle between releases and all this effort would be put in. And then what it really just feels like is that they were running up with Windows 10. They decided, well, 10X isn't going to happen, which is what I reported on. Then they killed it. And so they just took that UI, just slapped it on top of Windows 10, called it 11, and then shipped it out the door. And so it's it's frustrating because Microsoft has a pretty rich history. And this is going to be a dumb example, but it, it, there's parallels here to what we see within Windows 11. Where Microsoft promises something and then what they actually deliver is not quite the same. Perfect example, the emojis. They had this huge, massive, bespoke medium post about how they crafted these 3D emojis. And then what did we get? We got like slime poo uh, when they actually implemented the, the emojis. Microsoft has done that time and time again. Uh, I believe Matt Dynas might be relating to some of this uh, microphone debacle stuff that is shipping in this latest build. Where it looked like you had a real easy way to just completely mute your entire system across the board. But what, as it turns out, that's not completely true which again felt disingenuous from what they were showing off and so um yeah hmm. um we'll just need to keep an eye on that uh but anyways i would love to know the details of actually if anybody out there has when microsoft said we're going to do windows 11 and then when they shipped because i my my guess is like nine to ten months uh is how long they had which sounds like oh nine to ten months i mean that's just, that's what decent it's not really though it's really not because you think about it if they came out, let's just say it was January 1 and they shipped uh, what they shipped in October. Um, so that's 10 months, right? right? If my math is roughly right. Well, they came out with the first build in June. And so, and nothing really substantially changed between June and October. I mean, yes, there were some minor things that, and some nice quality of life stuff, but nothing major, nothing overhauled. And so you really look at it like, did they slap a list together in like five, six months, five months, something like that? I don't know. Uh, somebody out there knows. Somebody knows that whole narrative of how long it took for them to 
quote unquote build Windows 11. And I would love to know that actual timeline because I suspect it is mighty cramped, mighty cramped, which is why we again continue to see weird fluctuations in the communication of what actually is Windows 11 and what actually ships. I mean, look at Android apps for that as an example, uh, did not ship. Uh, Paul Gathara says, what is the status of Project Monarch? Could it be cross-platform with Android? Is it possible there is a new OneNote, yuck, terrible name, uh, redesign? I, so I suspect that OneNote is going to be sort of frozen in time for a while. I'm not saying that they're not going to update it with things, but um, there was a, several years ago, maybe it was 10 years ago, right? These note-taking apps that were note-taking as a service, effectively, uh, you paid for them. Um, Evernote, perfect example, sort of came onto the scene and they were taking money and making big splash and OneNote was over there just twiddling its thumb playing with the Play-Doh. And so Microsoft dumped all this money and effort and we got like OneNote, OneNote for Windows 10, all these weird iterations of OneNote and now we're kind of collapsing it back down. But Evernote has kind of like waited and fizzled a little bit, right? They're not nearly the juggernaut they used to be. And so Microsoft's like, that's no longer the shiny object. And so they're no longer paying attention to it. Now, what are they paying attention to? They're paying attention to the notion, which turned into Microsoft loops and that's their new shiny object. And so they're really paying attention to that one to make sure that notion doesn't eat their lunch. And then once notion does or does not eat their lunch, Microsoft, I fear, and this is what I fear the most for loop is that they'll take their eye off of it because there'll be another shiny object out there. And Microsoft is very reactive in this nature. They're a massive juggernaut with effectively unlimited resources, $20 billion in that income if they want to go attack a market they absolutely can look at slack they saw slack eating their lunch so what they do they retooled skype they built teams and now they've got this tool that is just doing massive amounts of good things for the company because they threw unlimited number of resources at it to guarantee that it was a success and so loop could be that same way but i suspect that OneNote is going to be just sort of floating around for a while uh i say that and then they're going to pull like a skype out of the hat where they completely overhaul skype right underneath the nose of teams and then announce it then a bundle it with windows and who knows um who knows um so i'm not quite sure um is i don't i don't quite know what their path is fully for monarch or OneNote yet but i'm sure that we will learn here uh and then in the coming months because i mean OneNote needs to do one thing well keep notes and it does that and it keeps them organized it's honestly too heavy for my personal preference so we'll see we will see anyways guys uh what a crazy week crazy week so we, we got teams metaverse uh we got forza oh, oh oh the one thing i forgot intel intel chips holy cow how did i forget this one intel chips uh huge news so the 12900k the 12th gen uh the i9 looks phenomenal right so intel is coming out with their first uh proficiency or performance course and efficiency course and these chips look dynamite now their top end chip is like six seven hundred bucks and i strongly suspect that it's gonna be one of those things like ah yeah, scalpers are gonna buy them all uh, but i think the real winner here is the i5 the i5 performance looks phenomenal it looks like it's Intel has really, it's like three, 400 bucks and you're getting quite a bit of performance. And I think this is going to be the new quote unquote budget king for gaming or honestly, probably more the mainstream CPU for most gamers. Keep in mind, you can also get DDR5 support with this new 12th gen chipset. And so uh, I think Intel has finally 
finally come back and, and release something that's truly exciting. Now, people are going to be like, it's still on a 10 nanometer. But you know what? Uh, I think Intel deserves some credit here because they're truly shifting the narrative. They have come out and they're giving AMD, especially in those multi-core uh, performance environments, some a run for their money. Now, I believe AMD still still is probably the better choice, like the 5950X, if you're looking for a massive amount of cores and threads because Intel does cut it short a little bit on the threads, so you can still get more threads on the AMD side. And so the the ball has been moved from like, okay, AMD is really dominating here to Intel is coming back. And so the best thing in the world is that consumers have options and it's not always just gonna be ARM. If you look at some of the benchmarks, in, benchmarks compared to what Apple is doing, Intel is able to compete in that arena. Now, the big question here, and, and this is what I want to know, is how is this going to work on a laptop? Because deficiency cores, in theory, should help with battery life. Now, how does that play out in the real world? We'll find out. But I am anxiously awaiting to see how AMD responds to this, how a Intel adapts this technology for laptops. We know it's coming. Like It's not a question if. It's like a question of how soon. Like, is this going to be a CES thing? And so if you're looking to build a PC, probably not right now because it's impossible to get nearly anything that you want. But the next jump you should be making here is going to be pretty significant. I'd really like to build an Alder Lake or 12th gen Intel box. I've got a 7900X and I'd like to replace the 7700K here, which then would go to uh, my daughter because I really want to get her into Minecraft. That's a whole different story and we need something decent for that. So... Anyways, as always, my friends, thanks for hanging out. If you want to keep updated on the latest BS on the internet, make sure to keep it subscribed here because the only BS on this podcast is me.